Welcome back to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's The Falcon and Winter Soldier. That little girl kicked your ass! Good morning, America, and welcome to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and in this week's episode titled The Star-Spangled Man, we see Sam and Bucky face off against the Flag Smashers with some unwanted assistance, we discover an even more tragic victim of the Super Soldier program, and we get a glimpse of an unlikely ally. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, uh, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode, be sure to do so and then come right back in a snap. Now before we're forced into a group therapy session, let me introduce you to our squad of sufficiently sanitary super soldiers. As always, he's ready to defend his country. We have Juliet, Uniform, Sierra Tango, India November, Justin. One people, one world, my friends. (laughs) And, uh, oh. Hold on, I'm getting intel from headquarters that the package known as Kevin Hudson is currently MIA. So joining us once again, coming in hot to clear the LZ, we've got Mike, India, Tango, Charlie Hotel, Mr. Mitch, George. We've got a star-spangled man with a plan. (laughs) (laughs) But does he have a plan, though? I don't know if he does. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out. We'll find out if it's his plan or whose plan it is. Welcome back to the show, Mitch. We are so happy you could join us once again. Thank you for joining us. Happy to be here. Uh, We're excited to hear your thoughts on the episode. Now, for our listeners who maybe uh, been on the run from the government and didn't get a chance to hear, you know, hear you on our WandaVision Watch Club finale. Could you please let uh, let our listeners know who the heck are you? I am a podcaster that does it with the best of them. Uh, I work with a group. Uh, We go by Press YYZ. We put out multiple pieces of content a week. We put out our flagship uh, gaming podcast. We've put out a bunch of like unboxing stuff that I've started doing recently. We do a video review series, not unlike your own watch club, where we're going through all of the Pixar movies in review. I think our most recent episode that went up is The Incredibles. Uh, That's a bi-weekly review series called YYZ Video. You can catch that anywhere you find Press YYZ, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, all that stuff. Very cool. Well, I mean... That definitely sounds incredible, uh, and I'll have to make sure I, I check some of that out. Make sure uh, we'll get your links in the description below. So, you know, everyone definitely follow Mitch and the Press YYZ crew uh, for some exclusive Canadian insight yeah. on the gaming industry. Eh? Hey. Um, <laughs> before we get into the plot and smash through our thoughts on what happened on this week's episode, uh, let's start with a brief overview of your thoughts on the episode uh, as well as maybe even the the first two episodes, Mitch. As our guest, uh, we're going to start with you. Uh, let's let's hear what your thoughts are. I'm really excited to see where this goes. I think they're setting up a lot of really interesting plot points within the first episode with uh, with um, Falcon and his sister and and trying to save their family business. The through line of taking up something that is you know planned to be yours and you you're not sure you can live up to the expectations mm. as well as the the dialogue between him and and Bucky is really great uh, between Sam and Bucky that is um, and the it's I'm glad that Marvel is finally addressing some content or some um, real world scenarios that have yeah. been kind of swept to the side in in previous uh, shows when it comes to race relations especially here I'm mm. sure we'll get into it a bit later oh, in the yeah. episode because there's some very very obvious connections to some real world experiences that I cannot begin to imagine having go through and seeing it kind of play out the way it has is it's going to be interesting to see where they go with the rest of it for sure mm-hmm. for sure yeah Justin yeah uh in regards to this episode specifically, it was fantastic. Um, it's amazing how the line between TV and movie really seems to be blurring. Like, I'm watching this episode, and right till we get to the end, I'm like, all right, the next part of their mission, and it ends, and I'm like, all right, it's it's a TV series. It's it's not right. a movie. That's really, really great. And, you know, just to see the, the two of them come together, uh, Sam and, and Bucky, they're sort of... 
buddy cop, big brother sort of yeah. <laughs> behaviors with each other was was absolutely fantastic to see. Uh, but to to Mitch's point, um, another sort of real world narrative that when we talk about superheroes and comics and, and, and whatnot, it's always fictional. It's, it's always outside. There's, there's some sort of semblance of the real world in those stories. There's just so much here that just feels so real to show that Marvel Universe isn't so big that it, it can ignore those, those issues, those current world issues. It's saying, no, let's use our facet of storytelling to tell our own story that addresses some of this. So I think that in itself is the beauty of what this is. It's not just the real world of, of Marvel, but like something that connects to our world. It's something I've always loved about the Captain America films outside of the, you know, super soldier at the center of all of it is they the stories feel so grounded mm -hmm. and i think they're taking that to another level here with what they're trying to tell in this narrative and giving these characters more time to breathe taking characters we haven't seen a ton of over the course of four or five movies and really giving them time to become the characters they can be uh, you'll love to see it yeah i also think it's it's just so cool to see how marvel is adjusting the narrative from someone like captain america to now seeing the the same thing with, with John Walker, but we're seeing it from a different angle. We're seeing it from a different light, a more modern angle. Uh, and and uh, definitely we're seeing the government in a different way. But, I, 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 you know, this episode was, to Justin's point, it was fantastic. It, it was another really well-balanced episode filled with action, character development. Um, and with only four more episodes left in the series, it, it, it really feels like Marvel... And, the, you know, the show creators are, are understanding the pace that they need to move at this point. Um, with that being said, the episode didn't feel rushed. Um, you know, it, it didn't rush through any, any given plot point or character. Uh, and we're getting moments with characters in this episode that I was not expecting at all. Uh, and I'm just I'm happy with the direction they seem to be going. And honestly, I'm just happy that that Marvel is consistent. They're so consistent uh, in delivering MCU quality programming every week. Uh, and I said it before and I'll say it again. Like, I, I really... I really think this may be a better way to deliver these stories than the movies. Uh, you might be right on that. Like, I think that these these independent stories are going to be really great. I think they're they're going to find a way to have specific stories live within this episodic content while also having like this sort of epic scope within the cinematic universe, right? And it'll all just be one, right? Like, you know, yeah. we, we it's just how we're going to be able to digest this content. But I think what really shows in this show, as well as WandaVision, you know, I know we're talking about the Falcon and Winter Soldier, but let's take both into consideration when we're thinking about the level of planning in terms of structuring the story so that it does fit within a specific window of episodes. For sure. Um, just to, to jump off that and talking about this episodic format, it's crazy to go from WandaVision to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And the episodes at this point have all been 49 minutes, like 43-ish, I think, with, with credits. And... I'm getting to the end of these episodes and it's not feeling like a traditional hour long no. episode of content, yeah. right? It feels similar, like the pace it's moving at. It's feeling like the WandaVision episodes where like I get to the end, it's, oh, that's it. I need more. I need more of this. And I almost feel like for me as a fan, I need to watch this stuff as soon as it comes out. But as a viewer, does it make more sense to just kick it back, wait a few weeks and just binge it all out, which is why I'm surprised that... I, from a business sense, it makes total sense for Disney to be releasing this content weekly, but this would have been a great thing to just hop in and get through an entire weekend. I, I mean, I yes, I and I get that as well. I just, I don't know. I love, I love taking the the week by week as we crunch on the on the plot and really, you know, speculate and things like that, which we'll we'll get a chance. Nate's to worried do. that if we if we if they end up just doing this mass release, there wouldn't be such a thing as Watch Club. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> listen, there's going to be a Watch Club for Black Widow when that comes out, right? Well, well it'll probably be a review. We might do a review, yeah, 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 for, yeah, sure, yeah for sure, for sure. We'll so, still yeah. get to talk about all of there's it. Speaking about talking about, make. yeah, I know for sure. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but speaking about talking about all of it uh let's get into the plot i tried to find a transition there uh guys the episode starts and we see a zipper opening up the bag holding the captain america suit and then we cut to see john walker reminiscing in the locker room of his high school football team uh, his wife olivia walks in to calm his nerves uh, and wish him uh, good luck followed by Lamar Hoskins, who's his best friend, uh, who lets him know that the suit comes with expectations and that he can't just punch his way uh, out of problems anymore. 
we get the Marvel fanfare opener with an incredible marching band rendition of the, Sp- the Star Spangled Man, uh, followed by a Good Morning America interview uh, where we learn that John Walker was an incredible soldier, being the first person in American history to receive three medals of honor. He ran RS-1 missions in counterterrorism and hostage rescue, and the government did a study of his body at MIT, and he tested off the charts in every measurable category. He says he's got guts, and that even though he never met him, that Steve Rogers feels like a brother to him. We cut to see brothers, sorry, we cut to see Bucky's reaction to this interview as he sits on the floor of his empty apartment. So guys, I want to know, what did you think of this opening moment with John Walker, the new Captain America? Mitch. That rendition of Star Spangled Man, my God. Yeah, so good. So good. The the parallels of this scene to the propaganda machine that was Captain America in the first Avenger. It's just the parallels between it's like the interviews, the the fanfare, all of it, the pop and circumstance. I loved every second of that throwback. Um, There's something off about John Walker. I'll talk yeah, about yeah. it all episode long. There's something off with John yeah. Walker. I'm, I'm good. aware of how things go in the comics, but at the same time, he's got he's got motives. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there's there's definitely, and to your point, we'll 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 talk more about that as it goes. But hey, he can wield that shield, but based on those little clips that we saw, so it's like that little quick segment where he's playing target practice with the shield. That was that was cool. So at least we know that he can actually use it. But I think Bucky's reaction was really interesting too, because you know I think he felt hurt. What else is interesting there is Bucky's reaction is you see you see the reaction to hit the line that John Walker's saying he feels like he was a brother because Bucky and him were brothers. They'd been through everything together and the heartbreak there from uh, from Sebastian Stan. He's he's doing phenomenally throughout the series. And that that one moment really sticks with me. Oh my gosh, he's doing like he did such a good job of saying things without saying things in this episode. Like so much with the staring and everything. Um I also I also was was shocked by how much in the opening moments they were really pulling me into caring about John Walker. Like he he does seem like a a good guy that wants to do his part in keeping the world safe. Um, and obviously, you know, as as Justin touched upon, we will get into some moments that shed doubt on his morality. But I still think it's crazy that they can make me go from you know I'm gearing up at the end of the first episode. Okay, I'm ready to hate this guy, and then immediately they get me to kind of like him. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but I think that that you, um, the line, there's a really specific line of dialogue. You can't just punch your way out of problems anymore. I think it's a subtle clue that he's not really going to have patience for the the power and respect that he wants. Uh, and I, I really think this is going to get him, uh, get to him, and he's, he's going to make some poor decisions in the near future. I, I actually felt like that line specifically, if you can't punch your way out of everything. Yeah. If you take that literally, if he could punch his way out of anything, maybe there's something else there. There's a reason he tested off the charts that we're not aware of, and that Ooh. will kind of come to light sure. over the course of the series. That's kind of what I took from that. But it is interesting to see at the end of the first episode, just like you, Nate, I was ready to hate John Walker. And the yeah. opening of this episode felt made me feel bad as a viewer for feeling that way after the first episode. So having that week... In that respect, kind of is nice to have because you have a week to ruminate and really start to boil your blood about this character, and then they immediately feel make you feel bad about doing so. Yeah, man. Yeah, and it's interesting that you bring up the idea that maybe he's already had some training, maybe he's already touched some super serum, uh, super soldier serum. We'll get into that a little bit later, but um, Justin, you know, we had some off-air talk about the possible connection to uh, the Black Widow movie. Uh, and, you know, you just called out the fact that he's so good with that shield. Uh, in the comic books, I was reading up that uh, he's actually taught to wield the shield from the Taskmaster. Uh, and so, you know, maybe there's our maybe there's our, our through point uh, mm. into the next chapter. Right. Because yeah. I believe they, they did announce that Black Widow is. Is that going to be the next thing or is it uh, is it going to be Loki? Uh, Loki, I think, is June. And- but you, you've got to imagine with Loki, we're probably going to go. Uh, into a different direction and then come back maybe 100 percent. i think we'll we'll kind of go back into the weird and and sort yeah. of bizarro yeah. world uh with some semblance of our our reality but anyways i do think it's interesting though that if there is a connection between black widow and the falcon and winter soldier series if you know it doesn't really matter if you see one or the other first they'll still connect in a very loose way that kind of ties it together if there is some sort of connectivity it doesn't matter which one you see first that's really smart yeah yeah, I know there were rumors for the longest time that uh, Florence Pugh's character was going to make an appearance in this series in some form. Uh, I mean, with how much scheduling 
shuffling they've had to do, whether that happens or not remains to be seen. But I think to your point, they, they do such a good job of weaving these narratives that it won't matter when you see it in order, out of order, doesn't matter. I was talking to my sister who hasn't seen Civil War in the longest time and we get to the end of the episode. It's like, oh, who's that? I'm like, just go watch Civil War again. Come back and it might <laughs> yeah. make sense. Uh, so we'll yeah. see if she does that. <laughs> well, hope, hopefully she does, and hopefully she continues listening to this Watch Club. Uh, and hopefully we can keep going through the plot here. Let's get on this here. Uh, we come back to see Sam staring at a military propaganda poster for the new Captain America. Uh, when Bucky greets him by saying, you shouldn't have given up the shield. Uh, not a hello, just you shouldn't have given up the shield. After a brief argument detailing what Steve wanted, Sam's rights, and a shout out to Gandalf in the big three, uh, the two head off to Munich to confront the Flag Smashers. Uh, after a graceful flight and a not so graceful fall, uh, which Red Wing totally caught on camera, by the way, uh, <laughs> Sam and Bucky sneak through the warehouse to discover there are more than two enemies in front of them, loading something into a pair of transport trucks. Through Red Wing, they discover what they think is a hostage and begin to pursue the trucks. So, guys, before we continue, uh, we get our first glimpse of Sam and Bucky on screen together since we last saw them together in Endgame. Uh, what do you think of this somewhat lackluster reunion? I think it's pretty chill. Like, I actually liked how chill it was. Like, I think we yeah. were all building it up to be like there was a case of or or a situation, if you will, because it's so epic. Well, it's also just periodical to tell television, sure. right? Like a situation yeah. sets up and then, you know, the two have to meet and now they find themselves having to work together to overcome this threat. I, I liked that it was more of like, I'm here to talk to you about the fact that you gave away <laughs> my best friend's shield. Like, I like yeah. that. I like that yeah. it was more of a personal sort of discussion, right? And then he just decides, well, you know what? I'm coming with you. You, right like I, I, we're going to do this together right like yeah and they, they they sit on the plane and they really don't want to like right. we'll, we'll get into that but yeah yeah no, for sure. <laughs> um but I, I also think though that like um the banter that they exhibited throughout this the this scene uh is fantastic like the big oh, yeah, three the, the big three like i love i love that and i i love that this is like just like a little another little nugget of how meta marvel is getting like where yeah. their characters are starting to call out this obscurity of the world that they're in, right? <laughs> so yeah, you gotta just... wonder. You gotta wonder if it's gonna ruin uh, Deadpool in the MCU because, like, his whole thing is meta, right? Um, so if we've already I... gotten a lot of it, yeah. But I think he's way meta. Like he's very, <laughs> yeah, he's very like explicitly, yeah. right? Whereas these, yeah. like, these characters are are being more like, you know, it's one of the big three. It's either androids, <laughs> you know, sorcerers, or what was the other one? Or aliens, aliens, aliens yeah. right? Thanos. So it's just like, it, of course, it's always one of those right so yeah you gotta wonder almost if that was like something that the mcu writers like really thought was kind of funny because that's how they structure it's like okay guys we got to pick from a villain of comic book heroes okay we got to go from the big three pick one you know what i mean like i just it's oh it's so good i i also just think like the their chemistry like i thought that i was going to enjoy their chemistry i think they're nailing it like they're doing such a good job with it um, and I love how smart Marvel is to point out small details, right? Where Beck, uh, Bucky mentions that he read The Hobbit in 1937 when it came out. Um, and it makes sense that he would call out the Lord of the Rings for Gandalf. Or sorry, he wouldn't call out Lord of the Rings for Gandalf because those books came out in the 50s. And by then he was in the Winter Soldier program, so he wouldn't have even had a chance to, to read those series. Like, I hope he knows that there's a really great book series and movie series that he could watch, but I'm not sure. Mitch, what did you think of their uh, their wonderful chemistry? I think if his first thing to go to is Gandalf, then he 100% took a look at the Lord of the Rings films at the least yeah. coming out of the Winter Soldier program. <laughs> I um, hope so. But to your point, I think the, the chemistry between these two is off the charts. It's, it's awesome to see two characters that didn't get enough screen time throughout the other se uh, films in the series just blow it out of the park with this one the whole thing in the uh in the plane where they're doing the stare off and do you have a plan no or well i mean he doesn't say it but he doesn't have a plan uh and then bucky falling in the pose on the ground oh yeah the yeah, pose yeah, sure. the pose of every other character that's fallen and not gotten up so maybe that's a little foreshadowing to something Ooh. later in the series who knows interesting but interesting That'll be interesting to see. And yeah, the reveal here that the people that they're chasing down have superpowers is because they immediately like two of them pick up this freight crate like it's nothing. And they they comment on that. So like they know they're getting into a fight with something that they likely cannot take on just the two of them, but they go for it anyway. Just kind of goes to show how these heroes really 
um, have those guts, like we talked about earlier, when it comes to these kind of situations. But they don't have to say they've got guts on an interview show. You know what I mean? But yeah, guys, so then we, we see Bucky and Sam chase after two trucks, uh, and Bucky uses his super soldier abilities to catch up to the back of one of the trucks. But after opening it, he discovers that the uh, the vaccines uh, that the Flag Smashers are carrying um, are littered throughout the truck. And he sees a, well, what we thought was, what he thought was the hostage. Uh, after saying hello, she smiles kind of creepily. And then he like sort of smiles back. And then boom, he's kicked out of the back of the truck onto the windshield of the other truck behind him. He's hoisted up onto the top of that truck uh, where he witnesses the destruction of Red Wing. Guys, RIP Red Wing, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, tear, tear. Uh, then after struggling to make any progress in the fight, John Walker and Lamar Hoskins heroically fly in to help. Uh, we see John throwing that shield around while Bucky is left hanging from the bottom of the truck. Sam swoops under the two trucks and saves Bucky as the two tumble to the ground. Back on the trucks, we see the leader of the Flag Smashers kick Lamar off, and John has this awesome moment where he throws his shield and saves him just in time. Uh, and then he gets up and says this epic hero line saying, that was a bad idea. And then he just gets punched right off the back of the truck onto the car behind him. So, guys, uh, this was probably the biggest action scene in the episode, uh, kind of following the previous episode's sort of format, right? We got an action scene earlier on. Uh, what did you guys think of this moment and our first look at John Walker and Lamar Hoskins in action? Mitch? Again, to speak to the first episode, the action there was phenomenal. They just carry it forward here. The The fight choreography is off the charts. The cinematography around stabilizing the image of, of Sam flying is just, I love what they're doing with that effect. The whole fight kind of came together in a smart way. I really liked what they did. Um, there is no way on God's green earth that John Walker can throw that shield with perfect timing to catch his friend without some sort of augmented ability. I'm, yeah. I'm saying it here. He's powered really? in some way, and they just haven't revealed it yet. Interesting. Interesting. Justin, what did you think of the uh, the crazy fight scene? Yeah, I agree with Mitch. I think there is something going on with, with his abilities that has to be heightened. Uh, maybe they just don't want to say that it's a super soldier formula um, mm. because of its testing. But, you know, it's obvious that there's something there. Um, but, yeah, the way he wields that shield, it was it was very familiar. I love that little glimpse when, you know, Bucky catches it and then it just gets taken right out of his hand. Right. And you right? see his face and he's yeah. kind of just like he's kind of like, what are you doing, man? Like, yeah. come on. Like, yeah. really? Yeah. <laughs> So, so um, and, and also just the, again, back to Sam and, and Bucky, you know, like that line, like uh, that girl whooped your ass, right? Like yeah. as he's flying <laughs> so by, right? Good. So, you know, it's just, oh it's really, it's really nice to see like, you know, like they're, they're, it's like a love hate relationship, right? Like you yeah. really get to see, you see that, right? Like they're helping each other out. They know they need to, but they don't really like each other at times. Right. So and you, you see Marvel, you know, I think Mitch, you mentioned it the, with the cinematography, like. They're flexing their budget. You know what I mean? They're flexing yeah. that Disney money. Uh, yeah. They've they've got it in, in droves, so why not use it? And it just visually keeps it so consistent with the films. And also, I love the callback to Civil War, right? Where we see Bucky and Sam, again, yeah. laying on their backs, lamenting about their defeat. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it's just so... So well done. Like, I just... Oh, I, I do... I would say, like, uh, you know, the action from, from the first episode was movie-esque. In its in its in its budget and and this one too, but I, I like that it was at least smaller and contained. Like it had just yeah. a small little focus. Like it didn't need to resolve as as successful or as epic as the the action scene that we had in the first one. Um, so I like that this one was a little bit more of a like tiny action scene. You know what I mean? Like it was just a little more muted. And in the first episode, the action scene was very Iron Man. Yeah. And this one, it's very Captain America, yeah. right? Or Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. Very, very hands on. You got the yeah. brutal sort of flag smasher choreography where you just yeah. see them like, like flexing all the time. Yeah, and I think all of the, all of the combat that we've seen throughout the the first two episodes here is very much grounded. And these heroes mm. in the MCU, or at least what we've seen of it thus far, they are grounded characters. Like the absurdity of going to space and fighting aliens and all of this stuff came to them, but they aren't going out there and fighting. And I think this scene is just more of that kind of grounded action, albeit with a, a bit of uh, super soldier serum in the way. Mm. And guys, just before we continue... 
uh, with with Red Wing dead now, which is so sad because I liked it. He had little R two D two beeps. Um, do you think that we're gonna get a Red Wing two, or do you think this opens up for the possibility that, like in the comics, we get a real bird as a Red Wing companion? What do you think? Uh, <laughs> you guys are like no no real birds. A hundred percent. We're gonna go back to his workshop and he's gonna pull out a rack that's gonna have forty five Red Wings on it, and he's just gonna program it or something. Yeah, like did that's Tony Stark? To did Tony Stark cry when one of his suits got? No, he just had another one waiting. Right, he yeah. blew so. them all up at one <laughs> yeah, exactly. point. Right, he was like he's like you know what? I'm gonna build three hundred just to watch them blow up. Um, I feel like there's another one probably somewhere. Yeah, that, uh, it'll have that like some upgrade or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So then, uh, without a ride, the two are walking up the street, uh, and they're approached in a military vehicle by John and Lamar, who offer them a ride. Uh, reluctantly, they eventually join them on the way to the airport. After a brief conversation regarding the intentions of the, of the Flag Smashers, Sam discovers that John and Lamar tracked him through Red Wing, uh, and their conversation starts to go downhill really fast. Um, then we cut to see the Flag Smashers arrive at a place of refuge uh, to stay for the evening, and we discover that their leader, played by Aaron Kellyman, who solo fans will know as uh, Enfist Nest, Woo, solo. Uh, is... Uh, right? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, not as good as Rogue One. Um, but uh, Aaron Kellyman is playing a character named Carly Morgenthau. Uh, we see that someone messages her and tells her that she took what was theirs and that they will find her. And they will kill her. Uh, she asks her team to be committed, stating that after tomorrow, there's no going back. One world, one people. Uh, so, guys, j- I've got three questions here, and you guys can feel free to just jump all over the what I just mentioned there in terms of that that you know car scene or uh, or the the flag smasher scene. Guys, what were your thoughts of John and Lamar after that conversation? And who is Car who is Carly Morgenthau really? And who's after her? So. In, it's funny because in the comics, um, Carly Morgenthau isn't a thing, uh, but Carl Morgenthau is. And Carl Morgenthau in the comics is the Flag Smasher, right. uh, a supervillain. So it's interesting how they've kind of coerced that into the narrative that they're trying to tell here oh, with the group being the Flag Smashers and Carly Morgenthau being their leader. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah, I thought that was really neat when I looked that up. Uh, to go back to your questions, I love the exchange between uh, Bucky, Sam, and uh, John Walker, and Lamar, uh, and finding out that L- Lamar's code name in the field is Battlestar. It's just, it's so comic book, and it's so dumb, but it adds to the whole narrative of, like, these guys are do- trying to do a thing that Cap and Bucky did 50 years, or 70 plus years ago, and it's not quite the same as when they tried to pull the same thing on the American people back then. And it's, it's very different now versus what it was back in world war two. And, um, the, the, yeah, the whole exchange there is really good. Cause you can tell like he, or he being John Walker needs their approval in some way to feel like he's earned this mantle, but he hasn't really earned it because all they've done is taken one blonde hair, blue eyed super soldier and replaced him with a blonde hair, blue eyed question mark. Right. Yeah. And I, I definitely think like maybe, yeah, maybe you're right, Mitch. Maybe there's some like he wants them to be on their side because he needs that for himself. Maybe the government is really asking him to do all this stuff, too, though. Right. Because, yeah. you know, um, he says like basically there's like, hey, listen, we're the government. <laughs> and so obviously this was the first moment where we start to see John. He starts to sort of, I think, lose sight of how to connect with Sam and Bucky, especially Bucky. Um, and the fact that in the first episode we hear Sam saying that he was working with the military for six months and every time they work on Red Wing, it always comes back glitchy. So obviously the plan to introduce a new Captain America and for them to put, you know, serve like to have that surveillance on them, that's been happening for quite some time. Oh yeah. That goes without saying. Um, it's also weird how it, is it weird to anyone other than me, the way John Walker calls Bucky Bucky it just seems so out of place like he kept trying to use the his name and it didn't you don't have that sense of camaraderie it's like he's trying to feel like he's filling that void that Steve left and he really can't and it just it was so off-putting to me every time he used it yeah I I feel like you you guys are hitting it you know right on the head there where it's it's he he obviously needed some sort of validation which is what that conversation was but he also needed needed them I feel like he knows that they're probably better at this than he is. And to your point, Nate, I like the idea that, you know, that's one thing that crossed through my mind that it could be the government really being like, yo, you gotta, you gotta get these guys like out of the way so that we can, you know, seize up this super soldier formula. 
right? And like, you know, maybe he's like, well, why don't we try to get them to work with us? Right. Yeah. Like, like he's, he's still a good person. Right. Well, I, in I, that I, sense? I think I think in the sense, though, that like he, it's it's more or less. Why am I going to try to get them out of the way when I can actually bring them into the fold yeah. and try to work with them to to solve this problem while also being able to retain whatever it is that he's trying to get? Interesting. If it is the super soldier formula, you know, what I mean, like have like that sort of, you know, use use your enemy to your advantage kind of thing. So. Right. It, it, it's a way for him to be validated in this hierarchy of Avengers as well, right? Because right now he is very much a product of the government and Steve for years has been that, but also has been a, a focal point of that group. And without that validation, John Walker's Captain America doesn't carry the same credence as, say, Steve. Yeah. And I um, going over back to, to Carly and who's chasing her. Um I think it's, I mean, we hear about the power broker later in the episode. Uh, we've talked about the power broker in the previous episode because in the com- in the in the end credits scene, it talks about him. Um, but yeah, I think that's absolutely him who's after it. And I honestly, she doesn't, obviously she just doesn't, it's not just vaccines in those trucks, right? Like, I think she's got some super soldier serum with her. And I think she's got motives that the rest of her group have no clue about. So I think she's, she's I got smuggling a that stuff. I got a theory. Yeah. And I'm thinking... I'm thinking it might be best to save it for what the Falcon. So that sounds good. That sounds on. good. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I've got I've got something, and I wonder if we're thinking along the same page because I've got a serious okay. theory too. Uh, okay, so then we get back to Sam and Bucky, who on the plane, uh, looking very defeated. Um, you know, we see them there, and and Bucky mentions that there's someone that Sam should meet. Uh, so they travel to Baltimore, Maryland, uh, and Bucky introduces Sam to Isaiah Bradley. Uh, we learn that Bucky and Isaiah went toe to toe during the Korean War in the 1950s. Uh, we learned that Isaiah whooped his ass and ripped off half of Bucky's arm. He was a true hero, like Steve, uh, super soldier and everything. But after Bucky says to him, there's more of you and me out there, Isaiah throws a tin can and embeds it into the wall, obviously showing that he has super strength. Um, and he explains that after he returned from the war, he was put in jail for 30 years. And that they continued to run tests on him, and that even Hydra wasn't done with him. Uh, he yells at them to get out of his house, and they leave. Sam demands Bucky to provide an explanation uh, for why nobody is, is, you know, including Steve Rogers, has ever heard of Isaiah. Um, you know, saying that there was a black super soldier decade ago, decades ago, and nobody ever knew about him except for Bucky. Um, while having this conversation, the two are accosted by the police. Uh, and the officer asks to see Sam's ID. The officer turns to Bucky and asks, is this guy bothering you? And once Bucky asks the officer if he knows who this is, only then does the officer back down and mention how he didn't recognize Mr. Wilson without the goggles. After profusely apologizing, the officer discovers that there is a warrant out for Bucky's arrest uh, as after he missed his court-mandated therapy session. Uh, they arrest Bucky and take him down to the station. So... Okay, so guys, so probably um, the heaviest scene here with Isaiah. Uh, what did you guys think of this moment and the one following it? I, I think they're just two very evident uh, parts of how this story is dealing with, with race. So obviously, is if people aren't aware, Isaiah Bradley is the black Captain America, essentially. Part of a, yeah. I believe, as, as Nate had told me uh, offline, a seven-part series called Red, White, and Black, which it sounds yeah. epic, but um, never read that story. But I love that they're, they're bringing that in. And not just that, but a little bit of the pain and suffering that, that his character had to endure uh, through that time as being the super soldier. So I wonder if it's just like in the comics where he, like, I guess he stole Captain America's costume. And yeah. he, he went over to fight. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe, Mitch, you might know. Yeah, so in the, in the comics, Isaiah Bradley is one of 300 uh, black men that they experimented on during uh, World War II after Cap to try and replicate the super soldier serum. And he was the only one that it worked on. And then, yeah, he did end up stealing Cap's uh, Cap's suit and shield and went over and fought. Uh, here, it seems like they've done that as part of the, the Korean War. And... 
it's knowing that he he goes to jail not only for that treason so but so they can continue to experiment on him that's kind of why he's in the state that he's in right now where he's kind of had a mental break from all those years of experimentation both by the government and as he mentions here by your people referring to uh bucky's people at the time hydra um interesting about this though is the uh young man who greets them at the door because that is Isaiah Bradley's grandson, Eli Bradley, who in the comics goes on to become the Young Avenger Patriot. Well, I hope we, I hope he ends up being uh, Patriot because I think we will get to see Isaiah and him again uh, further in the series. Me but, too. You know, I was reading, I was reading some information on on Isaiah, and uh, yeah, I was, just, I came across like articles as well, just about how. Like this is these are this is based off of real world history uh, that actually happened during the Second World War and uh, it literally through the from the 30s up until the 70s even um, and you know Marvel has always sort of reflected the world uh, in its comic book stories and tried to tried to uh, bring people into this you know underst- greater understanding of what's going on around them through these fantasy characters and the fact that they're doing that. Both for modern day, which were is the scene that we we also touched upon, but also throughout history, uh, is just I, I just think it's 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 so good to see how they're infusing these stories with with messages of what's happening and still happening and what's happened. It's just so good. I think the other thing too, before they even get to meeting uh, Isaiah is they run into kids on the street and they say, hey, you're the Black Falcon. It's like, right. no, I'm Falcon. What yeah. are you, Black Kid? And they, they have a fun time <laughs> with that. And it, it's it's yeah. great to see Marvel find a way to properly represent the way that Black people present themselves to their community and and just in general. And, and we see that even further as we go into the interaction with the police of it's not right. And uh, yeah. they're they're really trying to bring this to a mass audience in a way that they've never really done before with Marvel properties. And I really appreciate them going that extra mile. And to see the two, like two cop cars, by the way, two cop cars roll up on them is such a, it's, it's such a sad, accurate depiction of the real world uh, of injustice and discrimination that's happening every day. And it, it really makes you wish that every black person arguing with their friend was the Falcon, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, again, just as I was saying at the top of the show, like I think that what Marvel is doing with this series in terms of uh, representation with race issues, social issues, even you know economic uh, struggles, it is so real world brought into, as you described, Nate, like this fantasy world, which, which originally as comics we, would allow us as an audience to sort of connect the two right like we would connect the real world to this fantasy world so that we felt like we were part of it now it's this epic cinematic universe where it's now emulating these superheroes while also incorporating these real issues so it's just it's 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 kind of refreshing to see them try to have a take or a position on on this discussion without like you know like let's immerse you in escapism so you don't need to worry about what's really going on no let's let's bring it into our stories and show you what's really going on I think that's something comics have always done a really phenomenal job at doing of tying Mm -hmm. in real world events to what's going on in the stories. And through the first 10 years of the MCU, they really relied on the stories that had already been told with a few exceptions like um, Guardians 2 is the one that comes to mind immediately because nothing like that had really happened in the comics. But they're now getting to a point where they can take this history of Marvel Comics, but work a narrative into it in such a way that it is so relevant now and hopefully hopefully is continues to resonate uh for years down the line uh hopefully not to the same extent because a lot of these issues are things that are going to be major issues and still remain to be major issues and really do need some sort of resolution and shedding a light onto more of these scenarios is a great starting point as long as these conversations are being started through any facet of of content or or whether it's it's this podcast or whether it's a a fictional show that t- tries to ha- encompass this this real issue it's it's creating a dialogue about about that and drawing awareness to it and not just saying it doesn't exist very good yeah uh, so, guys, we rejoin Sam uh, as he's approached by Dr. Rayner at the police department, where Sam discovers that John Walker uh, got Bucky out of prison. Rayner demands that the two have one last session together, 
And after a brief staring contest and getting way too close, uh, Bucky tells Sam that Steve gave him that shield and says, if he was wrong about you, then maybe he was wrong about me. To which Sam says, well, maybe this is something you or Steve will never understand. But can you accept that what I did, or sorry, can you accept that I did what I thought was right? Sam and Bucky leave the station uh, to again hear police sirens, only this time it's John and Lamar leaning against a cop car, waving them over to try one more time to convince them to work together. Sam explains that it wouldn't make sense for them to work together as they have to follow the rules of the government and that Bucky and him are free agents. John responds by saying, a word of advice then, stay the hell out of my way. So, guys, what are your thoughts on John Walker now after this scene? Uh, and do you still think, you know, we see him go full bad guy? Or is there a chance that he could make the right decision and give the shield back to Sam? Language. <laughs> uh, I, I do, Amazing. I, I do like the exchange between Sam and Bucky in the therapy session of he thought he was doing the right thing and giving up the shield because, you know, in a sense, and especially after the reinforcement of meeting Isaiah Bradley, America was, he felt like America isn't ready to accept the black Captain America. Yes. And it very, very much goes to show, especially with what happened to Isaiah after he did what he did and was sent to prison, that he was kind of reinforced in having made that decision that America was not ready for a black Captain America. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. That is exactly how I read that scene, Mitch. It, it, it's him saying it without saying it, which is very much the the sort of the, the hints that they've already been dropping where it's these 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 subtle race conversations that you, you you perceive because it's so relevant right now that you see it and it, it's he you know he's agreeing to it by not necessarily discussing it and saying flat out exactly what you said that America's not ready for a black captain America right like if he had said that then that would have been different but the way he phrased it maybe this is something that you or Steve don't understand right. because they're yeah. two white men. And like to yep. me, as soon as I, I heard that, I was like, he's he's basically affirming that he didn't want to take that mantle because he's black and America wouldn't accept it. A hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. And I, I feel like the hints that he, like there are hints in there that he's not always going to be the Falcon. Like when he has the conversation with those kids of it's just Falcon, it's not black Falcon. Um, they're, they're hinting towards the, the, the culmination of this series being him taking on the mantle that Steve wanted him to take on. And I feel like we're really going to boil to the point where he's going to have to have that conversation either with Bucky or with America or with somebody. It's going to have to be something that, that is discussed in some, you know, obvious fashion. Cause not everyone is going to be able to read that, so that context from that conversation specifically. I think people will. I, I hope the audiences would be able to understand what his reference was when he says that something that you or Steve, which the yeah. only thing that they have Very in common, deliberate. the yeah. only thing that they have in common other than their old age is the fact that they're they're white. And they probably never really, they knew racism exists, but they probably would never have seen that level. Like even in the cop scene, right? When when he, when he's being handled right. by the cop cops, even Bucky kind of just doesn't understand what's happening because they, he has never seen that, right? Like he never experienced stuff like that even back in probably, you know, 1930s, you know, uh, New York, right? So even just to throw back to episode one of the scene with him and his sister trying to get that bank loan, a very Absolutely. human thing. And even with the bank manager knowing who he was, it didn't make a difference. And and his, his sister read between the lines. Like his sister was like, oh, the us people, right? Like she, you exactly. know, like always happens to us, right? And he knew that what she was insinuating, but he's saying, no, nah, no, nah, I'm Falcon. He's got to understand that. But to your point, it didn't phase the bank teller uh, by didn't any matter. means, right? Yeah, it didn't matter. And it should have. Yeah. And based on the dialogue that they share in the therapy scene, I'm I'm actually really happy that it wasn't played the the whole scene wasn't totally played off as a laugh. Like there was obviously the funny lead up to that serious like sort of drop. Um but, you know, I I think in the initial trailer it was very like it was played off as a big joke, yeah. right? So yeah. um, you know, the, the fact that we get this amazing moment between the two of them and I I also just love that you know, they're setting things up. Obviously, it's a very uh, clear setup, but like they hate each other now. And by the end of it, they're going to be best bros, right? They're going to be, you know, 
best friends for sure. Mm, no? They're probably not going to be best friends, but they're going to get along and understand each other. They're going to have a new respect for each other. And I think that this was like Sebastian Stan, again, highlight acting in this scene. The the sort of like little, little quiver of emotion as he seems so frustrated with Sam, but also defeated by the fact that he gave that shield up and and, and his, his his brother, the person that believed in him to come back from, from the horrors of being the Winter Soldier, could be wrong about him, could be wrong about the, the man that he could be as Bucky Barnes, not the Winter Soldier. So like, I don't know, like, to me, he's standing out in this series as, as really pushing the boundaries of his character, right? Like flexing all these different muscles rather than just this, you know, Cold War, 106-year-old, you know, assassin, right? Like it, he's just evolving Bucky so much in this in this in these first two episodes. Like it's it's fantastic. Yeah. The reason I was hesitant earlier to say that they're going to have a great relationship by the end of the series is because I'm standing by my theory that Bucky is not going to make it out of this series. We, really? we got the foreshadow in this episode of him falling in the same pose as Gamora and Black Widow. He's going to come to the realization that as long as Sam is going to take up that mantle, that there really isn't anything left for him to do. So what wow. is a 106 year old man who was trained as an assassin? What does he have left to do in this world other than, you know? What I'm going to speculate will be some sort of, you know, heroic like sacrifice. Hero, hero's death. Yeah, yeah exactly. and I, that might that might be the, the reason why in the end, if I'm pretty sure in the end of this series, we'll see Falcon hold that shield and, and actually embrace being Captain America and his sacrifice could could definitely be the driving force. Yeah, I could see it. I really hope not because I'm I'm frigging <laughs> loving his character. I'll probably cry if he dies, man. Like it's that's it's the Marvel, been, it's, that's it's the Marvel cool. thing. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Maybe he maybe he um, maybe he just goes back to Wakanda. OK, he becomes the White Wolf. Just just give me that ending, Marvel. OK, or at least or just tell me that's what happened. <laughs> you you wanted Mephisto to end WandaVision, Nate. I don't think you're going to get a happy ending for, for oh, the no. Winter Soldier here either. Sorry to Listen, say Listen, I think Mephisto's going to save Bucky at the end. Of, this of course, of course. Um. <laughs> uh, so, guys, getting back to this plot here, we get back uh, to uh, to the Flag Smashers here. We get to go to uh, Bratislava, Sloko- Slovakia, uh, with Carly and the Flag Smashers, which sounds like a band. Uh, and they're loading these vaccines onto a plane uh, and get ready- getting ready to board it when they're notified that they have, uh, they've run out of time uh, because the power broker's men have caught up to them. They load what they can and rush to take off when one of them decides to stay back and hold off the uh, the power broker's men, thus you know, sacrificing himself uh, as he breaks down a power line uh, and then gets filled with bullets. Um, the rest of the Flag Smashers then escape. Then, finally, we see Sam and Bucky walking down the street, uh, and Bucky proposes that they, they need the help of someone who understands Hydra's secrets, and thus more about the super soldier serum. He suggests that they go sit in a room with this individual, and Sam responds by saying, okay then, we're gonna go see Zemo. We get some orchestral requiem music playing as the camera brings us uh, through the Germany jail, the jail in Germany, and we see Zemo in his cell. He looks up, and the episode ends. So, guys, uh, you know, feel free to, to chat about if either of these scenes. Uh, but my question that I want to throw out is, you know, were you guys expecting to see Zemo this early into the show? And what do you think the role is that he has to play in this story? Justin. Well, I, first, let me just talk about this 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 airfield scene, which, yeah. th- again, as an example, first action sequence, mini action sequence, really good. This, small and crappy like this like this was just like (laughs) filler action like it didn't didn't really need to be there like they could have just gotten away right like they could have you know they could there could have been like cars chasing them but it just felt so like forcefully put in to just establish a conflict whereas i think that the text message kind of did enough of that but Um, i feel like they needed they needed the they needed to show the um the commitment 
of these people, like how just how committed they 100%. are to their cause, that's the that only they'd thing. be willing to die for it, right? Sure. That's the yeah. only thing that that scene really did. And I, I guess yeah. it doesn't need to be a glorified action scene. You know, I don't know. It just, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't work for me. But I think uh, you want, you wanted to see the power broker in that moment. Like what if that was a reveal seen, moment, uh, right? For him, yes. Yeah. I would have yeah. liked to have seen that. I think that that, just to set this, the tone of who this guy is, because you know what, we've, we we don't have that many more episodes left. I think we have four more. So there's a lot that still needs to go on. Uh, in regards to your question about Zemo, I think I'm going with what I said last week. I think Zemo's going to have to help them. Um, but in, in what capacity? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I actually feel like this whole thing about the power broker is a, there's some way to tie this back to Zemo at the end of the day, I think. I feel like this is kind of to our conversation earlier about John Walker using Falcon to... The, as a means to an end, I think this is the exact same thing, but from Zemo. Of Zemo will find some way to abuse whatever does transpire at the beginning of the next episode to meet his desires. And I think part of whatever is going on with this power broker ties back to Zemo in some way. Something he set up behind the scenes while in prison, some, some way of doing something. I don't know, but he's too smart for to not be involved in whatever this plot is that is unfolding is even yeah. having been locked up. I think Zemo was the most uh, underrated villain of the MCU. Uh, he For did sure. the most damage to the heroes and he was the most insignificant in terms of um, powers, uh, if you will. Yeah. And his, 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 his strength was his mind, uh, which I think is a real threat. You know, someone who's just incredibly intelligent that uses that for bad. It, it's funny too a lot of people when it comes to going through the events of infinity war and thanos collecting the 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 infinity stones and snapping his fingers everyone likes to rag on peter quill for what he did um but i think zemo is the reason why thanos succeeded single-handedly yeah. zemo is the reason why the snap even occurred in the first place because he was able to drive the wedge and exactly he split up the avengers which led to thanos being able to succeed so if he was so instrumental in Thanos's original plan, it might stand to reason that he would want the world to remain that way to prove how successful he was. And the purple mask, you know, yeah, it all that kind of tied in. together. Wow. I'm just wow. Oh, that's man. cool. I that's, love that. That's idea. interesting. That is very. Hopefully very you saved some stuff for your prediction. But yeah, um, geez, I mean, I'm, 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 you're getting it all here. <laughs> did you guys did you guys notice the Star Wars reference here? Uh, Zemo's cell is two one eight seven, which is oh, you the same that cell online. that Princess Leia that. is in. No, I noticed it. No, and I Finn, read that online. Finn's, I didn't no, even notice I told, that. Finn's TK number is two. Anyways, um, guys, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think he's going to kind of be like a Loki character where he's bad, but he he helps out our heroes while still getting away. Um, I think like you know you've got the chessboard. Right, which is you see very prevalently. It's another subtle nod that he's gonna, you know, use his skills of manipulation to to push Sam and Bucky at all the other pieces around the board. Right, that so was the word. I think, manipulate. Right, that's the word. Manipulate. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think I think you know, with tensions high between Sam and Bucky and everything going on, Zemo is obviously going to exploit that. Like well, how exactly. can, it's like how can he not? You know, so watch watch um, him be like be like, oh, he didn't he give you the shield. Why don't yeah. you hold the shield? <laughs> yeah, he's, gonna, he's totally going to call it out, right? So, um, yeah, I'm super stoked to see what they what they do with his character. But yeah, Mitch, to your point, I really like I like all that idea. I hope I hope that's where they go. Very very cool stuff, um, guys. Before we give our predictions on what will happen next, I would love to know your final thoughts on the episode as well as your score, which we'll be ranking on a scale of one to five. Dead Red Wings. Uh, so, uh, Mitch, let's start with yourself. I love, like I, I've said the entire time, I love the story they're setting up. The, the conversations they're having are conversations that need to be had. I think they're not really pulling any punches and, uh, that red wing is super dead. So that's why I'd give this episode <laughs> four and a half out of five dead red wings. Very cool. All right, Justin. Yeah. Um, reiterating essentially the same stuff that our, our buddy here, Mitch, has done, and and that is, you know, the, the series is taking a real nice uh, direction in the conversation that it wants to talk about of 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 things that are going on in the real world and and blending that into their narrative um, and drawing a, a, a story that is impactful on their universe, um, and I think that that's 
that's that's really relevant for for us as an audience to appreciate and connect with to really understand and want to see through how how things get accomplished and, and succeed or fail um the chemistry between sam and bucky is outstanding sebastian stan again i'm so just i'm surprised at how much i'm really enjoying his level of acting like, I feel like Anthony Mackie is, is Anthony Mackie, right? And he's he's played Falcon, and there's a certain sort of persona and character to him. And he's cocky, but he's he's thoughtful. And, and, and you know, we, we've seen a lot of him, actually. We've seen, actually, a lot of him throughout throughout all of these movies. So he's, he's actually stayed fairly consistent. And to see him have to combat this emotionally affected, very personal to him issue is going to be very interesting to see how his character will evolve. But right now, getting these beats of, of Bucky... In his in his place and in his development and in his his growth uh, after the blip, it's it's been it's been very refreshing and and also surprising to see to see how how real it is. It's going to be interesting to see how they keep evolving this story. So I, I, I after all of that, I'd give this a solid four point three out of five. Dead Red Wings. Um, I think it was it was good. It was it was really good. Very cool. Um, yeah, I, obviously I agree with all of that. I think, I actually think this episode was a little better than the first one, in my opinion. Um, we still got moments of, of action that were really well balanced with character growth and development, uh, and, you know, even more heavy and important messages of race, history, and society. Uh, I think this episode did an excellent job at making me feel like, you know, we aren't just getting one note antagonists in the series. Um, probably my, one of my favorite things about Game of Thrones is how well they establish characters that you hate, but then root for in the end. And I think that's exactly what they're doing here with the Flag Smashers and probably maybe what they're about to do with Zemo as well in some, some degree. Um, whereas in a series like The Boys, I think maybe with John Walker, they're really going to show us what, you know, power and fame can do to a, a good person. Uh, and and how you know that that strive for power um, and and being that that person um, is going to do to him. So I'm I'm glad to see that they have some handle on you know how many episodes they need to deliver these plot lines, and I think they're nailing it with the pacing of the show, um, especially with this episode. And, and it didn't feel rushed either. It didn't feel like no. we were just you know going from moment to moment. Again, no. the only part that maybe felt a little bit lackluster, Justin, you called it out, was that yeah. one last scene in the airstrip, yeah, yeah. but. Other than that, I think this was another excellent example of the MCU on TV. Uh, and I'm giving this episode four and a half red, sorry, red dead redemptions. Four and a half <laughs> dead red wings out of five. Um, okay, so guys, lastly, we have a segment on the show where we predict where we think uh, the next episode or the series is going to go overall. So, uh, you know, we're going to start with Justin. Justin, I want to know what the Falcon is going to happen. Okay, I'm going to just throw a bunch of stuff to the wall and hopefully it <laughs> sticks and we'll see. Hope some of it sticks. S- Mephisto! Gonna, yeah, yes, no, just no drop it, Nate. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I like this idea, though, that you know Bucky could probably die. So I'll start with that. Bucky could probably die, leaving Sam to af- actually have to pick up this shield and, and be the Captain America. That might be the motivation he needs to lose his friend in a sacrifice. Um, I'm 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 thinking the flag smashers aren't aren't going to be super super bad. Um, they might lose. She might lose her way. Like if you're saying that you know there was a villain. I, I see that maybe in her journey, she could become the villain, but maybe right now, I don't think they're bad. I think to your point, Nate, they, they could be, they could be actually on, on the, the side of, of doing what's right for, for people who deserve it. Um, and they, they might be exploiting some super soldier formula esque sort of things. I don't think it lasts though. I don't know. Maybe they're injecting themselves periodically or, or something. I, I think that still needs to be flushed out, obviously, because it's obviously it's a topic of talk conversation. Like they're obviously super soldiers. I feel like it might be a bit of a red herring though, right? Like it might be something that we're all just because they're calling it super soldier formula, we're just accepting it that it is. But it might not be. Um and I think maybe the the only there's only some super soldiers but whatever this is is much different it's not necessarily a lasting one which could also tie to someone like john walker and maybe his abilities and maybe he's been secretly tested on and he was he knows about this and he's trying to do a cover-up maybe he's Mm. part john walker's working on the government to to cover up their their thing and the distribution and sales to the power broker of this this 
you know, oh, wow. makeshift super yeah. soldier formula. So again, given the context that this is a Falcon and Winter Soldier series and uh, Civil War and the Winter Soldier, Captain America, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, both films lived in a conspiracy spy thriller sort of world. That seems very fitting for what what would be the the sort of underlining of of this this series. I feel like there's a conspiracy. There's something that's being trying to be hidden. Uh, the government is forcing Walker to do it. I think they're also promising him that maybe he'll get injected with it if he hasn't been already. Um, like there's there's that. Maybe he wants it for himself if he hasn't been injected or if he doesn't have the formula in him. That's a lot of stuff. I'm just throwing there. And Zemo is is going to end up being the bad guy, but I think he's going to have people thinking that he's not. Like he'll 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 sway he'll sway the audience. So, what the right. Falcon is going on, bro? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I I'm going to give my what the Falcon, and then we'll, we'll finish off with Mitch because listen, there's now my wall is just covered, Justin. <laughs> I know I'm it's sorry, covered. Man. I'm it's sorry. covered make, in predictions. I make a mess everywhere I go. Oh my gosh! <laughs> well, speaking of making a mess, I do think that Zemo is going to make a mess of everything that's going on. I think mm. he's definitely going to be a very chaotic uh, character to bring into this this storyline. I think he's going to wiggle his way from Sam and Bucky, separating them in the process because it's what he does best. And we'll like him, and then yeah, he's going to mess it up. He's going to do it um, again. He's going to just yeah. He's going to divide a bigger wedge. He's yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, but now he only has to divide two people, so it's so much easier. Um, I also think that, you know, John Walker, if he doesn't already have the super soldier serum like Mitch is predicting, I think he gets really frustrated at the fact that he can't do what Captain America can do. Uh, and he jumps at the first opportunity to become a, a super soldier through the power broker. Um, but the way that they're setting up the Flag Smashers, I really don't know what side they're going to end up on. I thought they would be working with Zemo, maybe not. Either way, I really can't wait to see how this series... Uh, plays off the the line that Rhodey says to Sam in episode one, where he says, nobody's stable. Allies are now enemies. Alliances are torn apart and the world's broken. And I think mm. they're, they're really going to work off those themes, themes right? Yeah. They're going to work off the themes presented in Winter Soldier, yeah. presented in Civil War. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to the whole idea of like, no one can be trusted, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, as we kind of move forward, we're going to get those spy thriller feelings and... Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm so stoked. And um and yeah, and Sharon Carter I think is going to be a really interesting thing oh, to yeah, throw in here as well. She's supposed to be um, coming in. I have a wild card. Just a wild card. It I really want to throw it out Mephisto. early. If it's Mephisto. No, it's not bro. Mephisto. It's not Mephisto. <laughs> I promise it's not Mephisto, <laughs> but it is it is something to do with mutants. Okay? Cuz here's the deal. Okay? Isaiah Bradley is part of the Weapon program, okay? And Wolverine was weapon number 10. Okay, he was weapon X, but he was weapon number 10. And so I really think with the whole, you know, they're calling Madripoor on the trailers. I think we're going to get a hint, not see him, but a hint at Wolverine I, in I the think, MCU. I think you're absolutely right, because we know that Madripoor plays a part in Wolverine's history in the comics right. or his background. Yeah. There's there's a lot to say there, and and I think what's interesting too is that Isaiah Bradley is is obviously much older. He looks much older. Could they be coming into contact with a very rugged, like older Wolverine, not a young Wolverine? Let's go. Like Let's like, go. like, like I, I feel like I feel like that he's gonna be like you you go the Ben Affleck, you know, you know, you do the you do that sort of thing where it's like instead of showing like a more current Batman, you just age him up and you say, here's your Wolverine. He's been around for a while, right? Like he's he's kind of you know. So I don't know. I mean, he doesn't quite age the same way as everyone else. So right. I think they could That's still do a young man's body with an old man's, you know, personality. Yeah, like a Bucky, right? Like like a Bucky exactly. or a Cap, right? Like, and it, how fitting is that? Let's yeah. go! Come yeah. on, Wolverine. It's, I definitely, it's, I definitely think it's likely to happen. And I like that. I, I, for, I, I forgot that I read that he was part of the weapon program, Isaiah Bradley. Yeah. So that does introduce yeah. the idea that, you know, or at least plant the seed that that program could exist in the MCU, right? I'm just saying. I'm just saying, Bucky, uh, or sorry, Sam goes on his first mission and he like he's like going up against something and something comes out of the darkness and you know in canada and scratches his shield and he looks at it and it's just three lines on the shield and then it just ends like come on i i really i i i, I do have to say <laughs> though what i want more than anything after seeing this episode is a like mini series about isaiah bradley maybe played mm. by either that actor or someone about what he went through 
And I yeah. think that that would be really interesting just, be, just as a, as like a spinoff. Right. Like, and it doesn't need to be something lengthy. Like I said, like a four part mini series that could really kind of like maybe tell parts of his story. I feel like there in that story lies a very, did you guys watch? I know Nate did, but Mitch, did you watch, uh, uh, Watchmen on HBO? I need to, it's on the list. Okay. It's on the list. I feel like without it being too, too R rated, but like very meta in terms of its its reference of of what's going on in the world uh and at different points in history uh i think that it has a place that it could do something like that with his story and and tell the story of of the unknown black captain america like a you know yeah. red white and black it's called the unknown soldier yeah the yeah. unknown soldier wow that's powerful so there you go mitch yeah. get on disney's team get on disney's uh if it's only a dream. Would it be a dream? I you wish know? I could write a letter to them and just be like, you should really be doing this. But speaking of Mitch <laughs> writing the future of the MCU, as he's already technically done a lot in this episode, yes, Mitch, my God. what the Falcon <laughs> is going to happen? I all my fan theories out earlier, but I do have a couple that I'm holding <laughs> on to. I think your idea of mutants is on the right, you're on the right track there, but it yeah. won't be Logan. I think the oh. first mutation we see in the MCU is Joaquin Torres. Yes, let's go, Mitch. I, I called this out on the last episode, yeah, so I'm know, so happy know, to hear that I'm you're with okay. You with okay, that one for sure. I let's think there's going to be something that happens in that post-credit scene. Is the yes. the wings start to sprout, and it's just a hint, just a hint yeah. that mutations are on their way. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest one that I haven't really discussed here is I think I'm along the same points as that all of you knowing Carly's like the whole mission statement behind the Flag Smashers is one world, one people. Um, I think they're trying to bring the world back together through all the chaos that has ensued from uh, the blip and then the return, uh, just trying to bring some order. And they're on the run from the power broker. My theory is that those vaccines they were taking are the stuff that he uses, the power broker that is, uses to give powers. And when we get to that first confrontation between the power brokers, people and Bucky and Sam, John Walker is standing on the side of the power brokers people. I think they're already in league. He's already got his powers. He's already sold himself to the power broker. And that's when it hits its stride. Maybe I could see that as soon as the end of episode three, probably more likely episode four. Have you ever watched 24? No. Mitch? Okay. So I'm I'm on this 24 streak right now. And like all it, (laughs) all it does is it it deals with like these conspiracies and people will present themselves as being the good guys. And then there'll be at some point in the series, there's a flip and you're like, Oh my God, I didn't see that coming. Or, you know, it's always trying to pick out who's, who's that person. I feel like I'm doing that with this show. And I don't know if that's in part because it's influenced from the fact that I'm watching 24 (laughs) or the fact that it's actually like, it's very visible. Like you're, you're wanting to call out, like even Nate, you were calling out last week, like Torres might be, you know, might be a bad guy before he's a good guy. Right. Like, so, Mm -hmm. so, you know there's 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 all this like suspicion that we're already implicitly implying and I, I totally agree with you i feel like he is that sort of that character that would probably be the flip yeah i mean they've been subverting our expectations all through wandavision and so uh, you know you can't you wouldn't put it past them um but guys you know before we wrap up um you know that is that is our our uh, longer watch club this week uh, Mitch, I want to know, do you have any secret intel that you want to share with our listeners about how they can keep up with you and your podcast? Best place to do so is Twitter. Twitter.com slash Mr. Mitch George. Twitter.com slash Press YYZ. Cool. Check out the tweets. Get on those yes. tweets. You know, just like Torres is going to be tweeting one day for real as a bird, man. Uh <laughs> And um, Mitch, thank you so much for for coming on the show yeah, and man. sharing in this MCU goodness. You laid down some some. Oh, Thanks for having me, man. I'm, my head is like I'm so stoked for where this show can go now. I'm just right? so disappointed so. we've only got four hours of Bucky left. You know, yeah. forever, forever. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. I hope not. Uh, well, that is it. We hope you enjoyed this week's super episode of watch club and if you did make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts if you haven't already Uh, and if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this episode or your predictions you know will bucky make it out of the series alive or uh, will torres sprout feathers from the back of his head who knows um and any questions you might have for the series in general uh you don't have to fight eight super soldiers on the top of a truck instead 
Justin, can you tell them the secret code words used to reach out to us by email? You can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That is wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Justin. Uh, sir, also, yes, if sir. you don't know, we we have more than uh, just Watch Club. We also have our regular episodes of the Geek Centric Podcast with our latest episode out now where we review Zack Snyder's Justice League. And uh, the results are surprising. So go give that a listen and feel free to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Justin, Mitch, thank you so much for joining me for today's Watch Club. And as we say, on, on your, your left... left.